0: Hello and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Well, good morning, friends. It's good to be here with you. My name is Clint Wiley. I am the pastor to serve ministries. In the past few times I've spoken, I've been in the vine, and so I'm very excited to be in here with you all as we, as we look at, into our series, Pursuing Perfection. I'm the perfect person to be up here speaking you, to you about pursuing perfection because I am nowhere close. In fact, uh, John Wesley, when he talked about pursuing perfection, he said, the person who is closest to, per- to the pursuit of perfection wouldn't even know it because he thinks so little of himself. And so today, as we look at ways that we are called further into God's grace, further into the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we understand that perfection is, is in the biblical sense, a wholeness. It's a, a pursuit towards holiness, towards righteousness. The pursuit of perfection ought to be holistic, it ought to reach into every part of our lives into our attitudes, into our motives, not just our actions, but our motives, into our love, into our perspective, the lens in which we view the world, and even, friends, into our speech. Now, I, uh, I've experienced this sanctifying work, uh, and I believe that, there, that God has placed two things in my life that have been the most sanctifying things that any, any human could possibly receive. The one is a strong-willed wife, and the second is strong-willed kids. Uh, if you haven't met my wife, Abby, um, if, you've met, if you've met Sean Palmer, you're looking at a pretty good image. She is the one that keeps me on my toes. She's the one that reminds me when I am off the beaten path. She reminds me When I am not perfect, and that's often. (laughs) In our scripture today, uh, we see James, who writes a little bit different than some of the other New Testament authors. James is not your typical theologian. He doesn't dive deep into theological concepts like Paul. He doesn't start out of identity and work into the way in which we live out that identity James he finds his niche in practical moral exhortation. He's an encourager, but also he's the guy when you're sitting around a campfire that says, "Why are you doing that?" He's not the guy that you get into deep theological discourse with, but he's the blunt friend. That says, "Quit doing that, you idiot." "That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that?" "Do this." Don't do that. Adopt this kind of attitude and reject that one. And so as we read from the, from the book of James, keep that in mind. James the blunt. James, the one who's going to give you the practical advice on living out this faith. So as, you, as you're able, would you stand for the reading of Scripture as we read from James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be be to God. You may be seated. As we read Scripture, I truly believe that, uh, like the Hebrew author says, that the Word of God is alive and active. That when we read the Word of God, it ought to be a little bit abrasive. Like, like the pruning of a plant. Like the sanding of an fi- almost finished wood project. An abrasive edge that, that cleans us up and polishes us and purifies us and moves us further onto Perfection. And so I believe that as we hear the word of God today, it ought to, it ought to be uncomfortable. It ought to, it ought to get into our mess. It ought to speak into our lives. This is what the word of God does for us. So hear these words. I'm gonna, we're going to walk back through the text and kind of highlight some things that, that I see in this, in this text and what James is trying to teach us. Today. He begins My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Friends, this is challenging in our culture. Friends, I don't know if you have been around much in the last few years, few months, few minutes, but we as a people are slow to listen quick to speak, and quick to become angry. We all get angry from time to time. I'm not a, a typically uh, verbal or, or outwardly angry person, but there's a few things in my life, going back to those sanctifying moments, those sanctifying people in my life, that bring out that, that those levels of anger. Like, like when my kids don't listen the first time that I ask them to do something. And, and they don't even respond, right? They're upstairs, and, and I just hear them keep continuing on in, the, in whatever they're doing. I don't know if they heard it or not. I'm pretty sure they did. I yelled really loud. But they don't quite respond in the time that I would like them to respond. And So I feel the anger start to build as I call their name the second and third and fourth time to come down for dinner. Those moments where God speaks into my life and says, hey, remember when, when your wife called, asked you to do something three or four times and then you didn't do it? <laughs> come Holy Spirit. Or those moments when someone pulls out in front of you and it causes you to have to put on your brakes. Not in a way that really like, endangered you or your family, but it impeded in what I was trying to do. Or those moments when the person in front of you forgets to turn their blinker on as they put the brakes on and turn left. See, it's oftentimes in those moments that we begin to get angry. Or we see somebody post online something that doesn't quite align with the way that we think. And it touches a button in our souls. Friends, anger is not something that someone does to you. Anger is the way in which we respond to what, what happens in the world. Anger is something that we can control. A great sage philosopher of the internet blogosphere once said, learn to manage your anger because you cannot manage another's stupidity. So why does Jesus, why does James speak so strongly against anger? Verse 20, because human anger does not produce righteousness. Human anger, those those emotions that we experience, those emotions that oftentimes uh, pour out on others in a not-so-holy way, do not lead to righteousness. And the goal of James is to push us on towards perfection. The goal of James is to teach us the ways in which we are being sanctified, the ways we are moving on towards perfection. Now, I, I truly believe that there are two different kinds of anger. What James speaks of here is human anger. Human anger does not produce righteousness Human anger is defending our own, is defending our pride, our way of life, defending the identity that we have built up, defending our time. But there's another kind of anger that we see in Scripture. We see righteous anger. Righteous anger is an anger that responds to injustice. Righteous anger is, is a way in which we see something in the world that is broken, broken, And God breaks our heart for that and leads us to a place of going out and changing that thing. As your missions, Pastor, I've loved to see the righteous anger in this congregation. I've loved to see you all as a congregation face injustice, to see injustice and face it head on, to see the ways that it breaks your heart and moves you into action. Even this past week, as we experienced Hurricane Ida, you as a congregation saw the need, saw the brokenness, and rushed to meet those needs. We were able to fill up an 18 foot box truck full of supplies to send to Louisiana. In a beautiful outpouring of your love, it was was pretty cool. Godfrey uh, Hubert, who was the conference. Uh, director of Missions, he uh, at the end, of when, he, when we filled up the truck, he had a couple more stops to make, and he made a call and said, hey, uh, you know that, um, that extra truck that I th- thought we wouldn't need? Hey, I think we need it. In a beautiful outpouring of love, we step into a place of righteousness. I've loved to watch as programs like Oaks of Righteousness have risen up out of a, a, a seeing the need and seeing a brokenness in a society and saying, God, what do you have for me? What do you want for me to do in this place to seek the needs of the other? I've seen as, as kids were sleeping, kids who didn't have a home were sleeping on the floors of caseworkers' offices, How you as a congregation met the need. And about a month ago, we opened a a shelter over in the society building for for kids without a home. For them to stay as a temporary transition place. For them to call a place stability. This is the righteous anger that God desires for us. But human anger does not produce righteousness. Righteousness. Therefore, verse 21, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that that is so prevalent. Get rid of all of those pursuits of worldly perfection. Get rid of all of those pursuits that lead us to places that is not about the other. Get rid of those pursuits that lead us to a focus on self. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save.
1: Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment. But first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the Word.
0: I love this imagery. Humbly accept the Word planted in you. It's a gardening concept uh, which which we see all throughout Scripture. We see these, these uh, images of the word being sown, and the soil either receiving that word or not. I started. Uh, I started. I attempted to um, to start a garden about a year ago, and uh, I was, you know, I had this this lofty vision of, you know, someday our whole backyard will be some sustainable living space, you know, with with uh so much green space and raised beds all over the place, uh, produce and herbs and uh, all of the things. It's just going to be glorious, right? And so I started, we, we were doing a yard project, and so we had to level the ground in a certain area. And so I had some, some extra dirt, and so I was like, all right, this is a good start, right? And so I, I, I scooped the dirt, and I put it into a, into a pot. It was even a, a renewable, sustainable pot. It was an old tire um, that... That uh, we learned about this this way of planting uh, in old tires at CFAT, and so I was using the skill that I had learned at a, a youth youth retreat, and uh, planted this this thing, put the dirt in, and planted uh, some seeds, some vegetables in there, and uh, kind of just sat and waited. And then all the, like I, I kept kept coming out, watering it, doing all the things that it said that the internet said to do, and I came out. After day one, there was nothing. Day two, nothing. Day three, and I started to see a few things start to pop up, and I started getting really excited. You know? And day four, and they kept growing, and I started getting more and more excited. And day five and day six, after about three weeks, this is what I got. <laughs> it turns out soil matters. It turns out that the soil of our hearts matters what is planted in our lives? Do you have a heart that's willing to receive the correction that the Holy Spirit gives through Scripture? Do you have a heart that is willing to receive when we find out that maybe we, our way is not quite the right way, or the best way, or even the only way? Are we willing to receive when we listen to someone else? When we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He gives us another metaphor to help us, help this to sink in a little bit more. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. For anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Right? How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is it for us to have poor soil in our hearts? For us to not be receivers of the word of God that is intended for us and for our edification? How ridiculous is it for us to hear the words of, of God and not trust that they are for us and they're good? But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, but being people of action, they will be blessed in what they do. This is a blessing of obedience when we hear the word and we act upon it, when we are people of obedience, when we are people who, who are receptive to what God has for us and the, the, the changes that he has for us, per- perceptive and ready for the ways that God is going to refine us and prune us to abrasively even rough out, smooth out those rough edges, Then we will experience connectedness to God and a fullness of life in relationship with Him. But those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Have you ever known somebody who claims religions but their fingers tarnish their witness on Facebook? Those who consider themselves religious, but don't keep a tight rein on their fingers. They deceive themselves, and the religion is worthless. But religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James is comparing and contrasting two different things that seemingly don't make any sense to be compared against each other. He says this false religion is one who doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, but true religion over here on the other side is the one who looks after the orphans and the widows. What does not keeping a tight rein on your tongue have to do with orphans and widows? He's drawing us away from action from understanding just the outside action and into our hearts. What James is doing is highlighting that care for the orphans and the widow is 100% selfless. Because true religion is not about defending our own or always being right. True religion on towards perfection is is to consider others first. True religion is the love of others more than our own way. The reason we are quick to speak and quick to become angry is because we are slow to listen. We are quick to assume, we are quick to judge, we are quick to defend our own And our quick temper is truly a symptom of the attitude of our hearts. Matthew 6.45 says, Out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. So let's get to the heart. True religion is about the other. Human anger is about defending our way of life, defending our understanding defending my idea of right, whether it be red or blue, left or right, oftentimes, I would say a majority of the time, it's actually when we are defending our own idols, is when we become angry. But righteous anger, righteous anger is an anger that is about the good of others. And this is what Jesus calls us to. So as I close today I want to look at practically what does it look like to take James advice in sanctification What does it look like for us to actually be slow to li- or quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry What does it look like to consider the other first When we sense ourselves getting angry in the next week whatever that might be that leads you to that place I want you to ask these three questions. Why is this making me so angry? Slow down and ask this question. Why did that make me so angry? What am I trying to protect? What am I trying to protect in that anger? What am I defending? And then finally, ask the why. I'm big on the why. I think the why is so important for us to understand the other. For us to be in relationship, though we might disagree on some things, for us to begin to be in community and to be in relationship, we must ask the why very often. And be willing to listen. What made them say that or do that? when we find that we absolutely must speak, at the end of these three questions, when we find that we must speak, let us speak with the other in mind. But first, we must listen. As we take of communion today, this is a beautiful symbol, a beautiful representation of other first. Jesus, who could have come in the very nature of a king, considered himself nothing, became a servant to all, and he laid down his life for us. Talk about other first. And so I invite you today into our communion liturgy, Christ, our Lord, invites us to his table. All who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sins before God and before one another. Merciful God, we confess
1: that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an
0: obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us from all Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Would you take a moment of silence to confess before the Lord? hear the good news. Christ has died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love towards us. That in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven.
1: Glory to God. Amen.
0: The Lord be with you. And with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift up Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and good and a joyful thing, always and every, everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven. We praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest.
1: Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit.
0: And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you, and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, took the cup and he gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has died.
1: Christ, died. Christ is, is risen. Christ, Christ will come again. come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and of the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now, with the confidence of being the children of God, let us join together in the Lord's prayer. Our Our Father, who art in heaven.
0: Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake in one loaf. The bread which we break is the sharing in the Holy Spirit, and the holy body of Christ.